To Build a Family By Second Sister Chapter 1, Mooney and Papa Augusta brings them the news. She shows up on their doorstep with a whimpering Neville just after sunrise, and barely gives serious time to blink his eyes open before she's depositing the toddler into his arms and marching over to their fireplace. Sirius only manages to comprehend about half of what she's saying before she disappears in a cloud of green smoke. Neville sniffles into Sirius's shoulder before falling asleep and doesn't wake as a bewildered Sirius enlarges Harry's cot and lays Neville beside his sleeping godson. He then goes to wake Remus, an uneasy pit growing in his stomach. They manage to string the rest of the story together throughout the morning by owling around and flu calling their remaining order contacts, an attack on Alice and Frank late last night, demanding answers that they didn't have. Torture. Permanent brain damage. No way to heal them by either magical or muggle means. Neville was kept safe due to a last-minute offer from Augusta to keep him overnight so that Frank and Alice could enjoy their anniversary together. Sirius and Remus stare down at the sleeping boy, thanking whatever divine intervention there was that kept him safe. When the boys wake they do everything they can to keep Neville busy and entertained, but by the late afternoon he is crying for his parents and nothing seems to soothe him. Harry watches with wide eyes, looking from Neville to the adults, as if to say, what are you waiting for, help him. Remus gathers Neville into the carrier at he's almost too big for, and takes him on a walk through the meadow hoping that the fresh air and sounds of the sea will calm him. It takes an hour but eventually he settles with his face squished against Remus's chest and takes a nap. Augusta returns the following day looking like she hasn't slept or showered since Sirius saw her. She tells them that she'll be moving Frank and Alice into the ground floor of her manor along with whatever carers they'll need. She doesn't beat around the bush when she asks them directly if they'll raise Neville, citing the will where Remus has been named Godfather. Remus is unsurprised. He knew that his name had not been top of the list when the will was made but as the Pruitts, Marlene, Dorcas and James and Lily were lost, he moved up the rankings. They don't hesitate when they say yes. They had made a promise to Frank and Alice, same as the one they made to Lily and James when they'd found out they were expecting. They would all do anything to protect the babies. They're tiny bundles of hope. Harry and Neville may not get to grow up the way they were supposed to, but Remus and Sirius could at the very least make sure they felt loved. Neville adjusted well enough to his new routine. As well as could be expected. He followed Harry's lead a lot in the early days, picking up on Harry's names for things and soon referring to Remus and Sirius as Mooney and Papa. Harry hadn't been able to say Padfoot when he was first learning to speak, and his attempts that came out sounding like Papa entertained everyone so much it stuck. It felt like a very apt coincidence when Sirius had become his parent. They were comfortable with Mooney and Papa, neither of them were eager to be called Dad, especially not when Neville was still able to see and talk to his dad, even if Frank couldn't exactly comprehend the title anymore. They went all out for the boys' third birthday party that summer. Augusta got them in touch with Molly and Arthur Weasley shortly after Neville moved in, and having another magical family to go to for kid advice was invaluable even if sometimes that advice was unasked for and swiftly ignored. So there was no shortage of kids running around the yard, most of them with flaming red hair. 
They also invited a few of the kids from the Muggle nursery school that Harry and Neville attended in town. Remus hoped Molly and Arthur's twins wouldn't terrorize the Muggle kids. Or rather, that they would terrorize them by non-magical means. They had spent the morning at Augusta's home so that Neville could spend some time with his parents on his birthday. The at-home care had brought Frank and Alice further along in recovery than any healer had thought possible. They were still mostly unaware of their surroundings, but they did seem to perk up whenever Neville was brought in to see them, and Remus and Sirius chose to believe that there was some recognition there when they looked at their son. Neville himself was shy around his parents but would light up when Alice would stroke his chubby little cheek, and Frank would run a hand through his sandy hair. Leaving them was always hard on him. He was too young to understand what was going on, but he seemed to know that he was meant to be with them. He'd be forlorn for hours after, only able to cheer up after his nap. Chapter 2, Squids As the boys grew, so did their personalities. Harry was very go, 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 always moving like James, but luckily without the extreme clumsiness of his father. He had Lily's temper as well and was quick to shout if he was unhappy. He loved chasing Padfoot around the yard and flying around on his training broom, not caring what he knocked over. Neville loved the outdoors as well, but he preferred sitting in the shade of the trees on the edge of the property. He loved small animals and had an aptitude for gardening even at an early age. He was calmer than his godbrother, happy to sit quietly beside Remus as Sirius and Harry ran rampant. Despite their differences, the two boys were incredibly close and protective of each other. Papa. Mooney. Papa. Sirius raced across the room to grab his mirror as he heard Harry's panicked voice calling out for him. When he finally reached it, he could see half of Harry's face and Neville behind him, hunched over and crying. Harry, what's wrong? Where's Gran? Papa, come here. They tried to hurt Neville, said Harry, and Sirius could now see the faint aura of what looked like a shield charm around them. I'll be right there, baby, you stay with Neville, okay? I'm coming. Sirius was never more grateful that he and Remus had opened the wards to allow disapparating from the house. They hadn't been sure it was a smart decision, but knowing now that he could get to his boys as soon as possible in emergencies was well worth the trouble of restructuring the wards. He landed in the foyer of Augusta's home and immediately made his way toward the staircase. It looked like the attic from the little he could see in the mirror. He took the stairs three at a time in his haste and was met with the sight of Algy and Enid Longbottom and Augusta hovering by the attic door. They turned in alarm at the sound of Sirius approaching. Sirius, it was truly nothing. Sirius didn't stop to let Augusta finish her sentence, instead pushing past the three of them to open the door. Harry and Neville were over by the window, under a thin dome of magic that Sirius recognized as an unstructured shield charm. It felt like Harry's, he had been exhibiting more and more deliberate accidental magic lately. The boys were sniffling and huddled together, arms tight around each other. Sirius approached them slowly, not wanting to scare them any further. Harry, babe, I'm here now, can you drop your shield charm for me? Harry sniffled a couple of times before nodding and letting the shield dissolve. Sirius moved closer and reached out a hand towards Neville, 
who was watching him with wide, wet eyes. He hesitated for a second before throwing himself into Sirius's arms and burying his face in his shoulder as he cried. Sirius hugged him close with one arm before holding the other out for Harry who went to him immediately. They were gonna throw him out the window, Papa, whispered Harry. To make his magic come. Sirius did his best to remain calm, knowing that his boys needed him to not scare them any further. He took a deep breath in and released it slowly, the way Monty Potter had taught him years ago, before lifting both boys up and carrying them toward the door. He didn't trust himself to be able to speak to the Longbottoms without exploding at them, so he merely gave them his very best black family withering glare as he stormed past them. Once he was in the garden, he said a quick apologetic warning to the boys, who both hated the way side-along apparition made them feel, before turning on the spot. He gave them a moment to catch their breath when they arrived in the meadow right outside the borders of their wards. As he started walking towards the house, he saw Remus's bicycle by the front gate and was relieved to know he was home. Almost there, boys, and it looks like Mooney is home now too. Maybe he can make us all some chocolate milk to help us feel better, said Sirius, affecting his voice with false cheer. And a movie too. Yes, has, we can watch a movie too. Should we let Neville choose this time? Harry nodded, but Neville still hadn't said anything. His face was pressed against Sirius's shoulder, and he let out occasional hiccups but otherwise remained silent. When they got to the house, Harry all but jumped from Sirius's arms to go in search of Remus, and Sirius carried Neville over to the couch and set him down gently. You okay, Nev? Did anybody hurt you? Neville shook his head. Harry stopped them. Uncle Algy said that he, he, he was gonna see if I would bounce if I went out the window. But I didn't want to go out the window. That must have been really scary. Can you tell me what else happened? Sirius saw Remus and Harry walk into the room from the corner of his eye but was grateful Neville didn't notice them. He needed to get the whole story out of him before he got too distracted or upset to finish. He picked me up and I yelled for Gran but she didn't come. Then Harry made him drop me. He hurted his hands. Harry hurt Uncle Algy's hands. Yeah, said Neville with another little hiccup. His magic did. And then we hided under Harry's magic when he tried to get me again. Sirius glanced over at Remus whose face was slowly turning red with rage. He turned on his heel and walked off towards the kitchen, Sirius knew to make the promised chocolate milk and to reel in his temper. Sirius turned back to Neville whose eyes were brimming with new tears. Sirius reached out and cupped his cheeks in his palms. I was so scared, Papa, said Neville in the smallest, saddest voice Sirius had ever heard. I know, baby, but it's all over and you were so, so brave. I am very proud of you and your brother for calling me for help. He leaned forward to press a kiss to Neville's forehead. He saw Remus walking back towards them with a tray. Oh, look, Mooney's got all the best things we need to cheer us up. Do you want to pick a movie we can watch? Sirius knew what he was going to say, as Neville had only been interested in this one movie for the last two months, but he gave him the choice anyway. Fantasia. You got it. Let's get you set up all cozy now. I'm going to kill them.
I mean it, serious. Throwing him out the window. If Harry hadn't been there. I know, Rem, Merlin, you should have seen their little scared faces. He's not going back there anymore. We'll still bring him by to visit with Frank and Alice, but that man is never going to be near Neville again. What is the matter with them? Christ, they're lucky I wasn't home when the boys called. The window. Sirius let Remus rant, knowing he needed to get the first wave of anger out before he could think rationally. They'd cast a silencing charm over themselves so that they could keep an eye on the boys while they talked. Neville had seemed to come back into his usual self a bit as the movie played, though he still hiccuped occasionally. And so what if he never shows any magic? As if we would love him any less if he were a squib. I have half a mind to go over there and beat them bloody the muggle way, show them how unnecessary magic can be. Sirius snorted, knowing Remus's threats of violence were hypothetical. Mostly. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, agreed Remus. He sighed and stepped forward so he could wrap his arms around Sirius and leaned his head on his shoulder. Thank you for saving our boys today. Sirius kissed Remus's temple before returning the hug, holding Remus tight to him. Remus crouched beside Neville's bed, watching as he carefully rearranged his stuffed animals, making sure everyone was in their usual bedtime place with his treasured rabbit tucked in beside him. The sounds of Harry splashing around in the bath down the hall, chattering away to Sirius, drifted in through the open door. Are you all ready for bed, love? Neville yawned and then settled back against his pillows, but he was still squirming so Remus could tell something was bothering him. He smoothed a hand over Neville's sandy hair and waited. Mooney. What happens if my magic doesn't come? Remus's heart broke a little at how small Neville's voice sounded. He leaned over and gave Neville a quick kiss on the top of his head before speaking, making sure to choose his words carefully. Well, everything will be the same except you and Harry won't always go to the same school. You'll stay here with me and Papa and go to the big kid school in town. Harry won't stay. No, love, Harry will go to magic school away from us, at Hogwarts. But we will all be able to visit him and he'll come back home for holidays. Neville frowned. I don't want Harry to go away from me. I know, I don't want him to either but that won't happen for a long, long time. What's a squid? Um, it's sort of like an octopus but skinny, said Remus, confused at the abrupt change in conversation. Uncle Algy said I was a squid. Remus was going to have words with Algy Longbottom. But until then, he looked at Neville and reached out to tickle his sides. You don't look like a squid to me, he said, relishing in the sounds of Neville's giggles. Where are all of your tentacles? I have legs, Mooney, laughed Neville, kicking his legs under his blanket in demonstration. Oh legs, well then, definitely not a squid. Neville yawned again and pulled his rabbit up toward his chest. Sometimes magic is bad, he said matter-of-factly. Remus nodded, remembering them explaining to both Neville and Harry that their parents were hurt by bad people with bad magic. Harry's magic is good. If I don't get my magic, Harry will do magic for me. He will. Just like how you help Harry when it's clean-up time, 
and you show him how to put away the blocks, Harry will always help you if you need him. And you and Papa too. That's right, me and Papa too. Neville nodded and yawned again. All right, you, I think that yawn means it's time for sleep, said Remus. Good night, Neville, I love you very much. Night, Mooney. It took less than a minute before Neville was asleep, one arm wrapped around his rabbit. His other hand was holding on to Remus's fingers, their grip slackening as he drifted off. Chapter 3 The Burrow Normally for full moons, the boys spend the night at Augusta's and Sirius brought them home in the morning, but this month finds them scrambling to change plans for obvious reasons. Sirius and Remus go back and forth for days, coming up with plans that neither of them is comfortable with. Sirius had made a promise at fifteen that Remus would never spend a moon alone again, and he shot down any of Remus's ideas that will leave him alone as the wolf. The answer came to them in the form of Molly Weasley, who had made it her personal mission to keep them supplied with baked goods and knitted jumpers. They knew Molly and Arthur tangentially during the war, from their close friendship with Molly's late brothers, and even though Molly had a tendency to overstep in giving advice, they were grateful to have a magical family in their small circle to relate to. It also helped that the Weasleys were generous with hand-me-downs and home remedies. Molly dropped by with some clothes that her twins outgrew, that won't fit the long-limbed Ron, and Remus found himself venting to her about Neville's experience at the Longbottoms. Out the window. Remus felt satisfied with the level of horror in Molly's tone and nodded. That poor, sweet boy. We're just lucky Harry's got such a decent hold over his magic already, he wouldn't allow any of them to get near Neville. Molly tutted in disapproval. I'd like to say I'm shocked by this behavior but some of these old families care more about magical legacy than they do their children. Augusta was always one to hold on to old ideals. Yes well, she can hold on to those alone. Neville will no longer be spending time with her unsupervised, at the very least. To be completely honest, I wouldn't allow him at the house at all if it weren't for Frank and Alice, said Remus. As for Algie, he's lucky we didn't press charges. Actually, said Sirius, poking his head through the window. He's lucky all he got was a few harsh words. Can you pass me a towel? Moons, the boys got into the bird bath. Remus summoned a pair of towels from the upstairs closet and handed them through the window to Sirius. Turning back to Molly, he explained. We're trying to not rely on magic so much for small tasks. If there's a chance Neville wasn't born with magic, we don't want him to feel like he's missing too much. Remus didn't mention that it also was the way he grew up, never using magic at home unless it was unavoidable. He and his mum did everything by hand, and even when he was at Hogwarts there were certain things that just were better when done the muggle way. Sirius found it nice as well, as his childhood had been spent almost suffocating under the thick, dark magic that permeated his home. Through the open window, Remus could see Sirius chasing the boys around the yard, towel opened in his outstretched hands as Harry and Neville ran away from him, giggling loudly. Moments like these, seeing how happy the boys were, how loved, always stopped Remus right in his tracks. It shouldn't be them, it should be James and Lily, Frank and Alice, but Remus knew he was doing right by them. 
their sons were loved and cherished and happy. Remus watched them through the window for another moment before sitting back down across from Molly with a soft smile on his face. We're having a party next Sunday for Ginny's birthday, we'd love for you all to come, the kids love having Harry and Neville over. Sunday. The night of the full moon. Ah, actually, we are in a bit of a situation about Sunday. Augusta was supposed to take the boys for us overnight but that's obviously no longer an option, so we might have to beg Sirius's cousin, but the boys don't know her well so it could be a disaster. If we can make it work, one of us will try to bring them by for the party. They've been asking to see you all for weeks. They're more than welcome to stay the night with us, Remus. What's two more? Ron's bed is certainly large enough for three tiny boys, we'll make a night of it. Oh, I didn't mean for you to offer. Nonsense, you never need to ask, Arthur and I are happy to help. Thank you, said Remus sincerely. I'll talk to Sirius and the boys about it, and flew you in a few days. You're too good to us, Molly. They arrived early at the Weasleys on Sunday, Remus wanted to be able to stay with the boys as long as he could, knowing there would be some uneasiness at sleeping in an unfamiliar place. Harry and Neville had both been excited when presented with the idea, but as they got ready to leave, Neville began to show signs of nervousness. By the time they were approaching the burrow, he was clinging to Remus with an iron grip. Harry barreled on ahead with Sirius hot on his heels while Remus slowed his pace to match Neville's. When they reached the garden, they saw the Weasley kids in various states of chaos scattered throughout the yard. Neville stopped and was looking up at the house with apprehension. Remus ignored the creaking of his moon-weary bones and crouched down on one knee so he could be at eye level with Neville. What's wrong, Nev? Neville chewed on his bottom lip nervously before quietly saying. It's tall. Tall, Remus turned to look at the house, which was indeed tall. The Weasleys had built upwards with each new addition it seemed. The burrow is very tall, yes. I don't want to go up high, said Neville. He pressed close to Remus and hid his face in Remus's neck and his voice was muffled when he added. The windows are too high, Mooney. In an instant, Remus understood. Their home was a small two-story cottage, so Neville hadn't been shying away from their own windows, and his classroom at school was located on the ground floor. This was the first time Neville would be faced with a window as high as the one Algy had attempted to toss him out of. Before Remus could think of a response to ease Neville's worries, he saw one of the older boys, Charlie, running toward them. Hey, Neville. Charlie was hands down Neville's favorite Weasley. He talked incessantly about dragons and other magical creatures and seemed to have endless patience for the smaller children. Neville removed his face from where it was still smushed against Remus's shoulder and neck and he looked up at Charlie. Oh no, buddy, what's the matter? Neville's a little bit nervous about having to sleep so high up, explained Remus. Too high, huh? Charlie turned to look at the house before his face lit up with a big smile. Hang on, I have an idea, let me ask my mom. Remus watched as Charlie ran over to where Molly was setting a table with snacks. Charlie spoke animatedly, his arms pointing up at the house and then over at Neville. Molly's face softened as she looked over to where Remus and Neville were crouched, 
and she nodded before planting a big kiss on Charlie's cheek. Where most kids his age would have been embarrassed by this, Charlie instead darted in close to give his mother a quick hug before running back over to Remus and Neville. Mum said yes. What do you think about having a big camp out in our family room, Neville? It's right there on the bottom floor, and you'll not have to go up any steps at all. And Dad's been talking about learning to roast marshmallows for ages. We'll bring down all the pillows and blankets and it will be a big slumber party. What do you say, Nev? Does that sound okay? Neville looked thoughtful for a moment. I won't have to go up high. Not ever. Everything we need is right downstairs, even the toilet. Neville turned to Remus. Can I go to the campout, Mooney? You absolutely can, it sounds like a lot of fun, said Remus, giving Neville a small affectionate squeeze. He looked up at Charlie with a genuine smile. That was very quick thinking, Charlie. And very thoughtful of you too. Your siblings are very lucky to have you for a brother. Charlie shrugged, his cheeks flushing at the compliment. Hey, Neville, wanna come see the new book I got about hippogriffs? Chapter 4, Tiny Miracles Sirius came home early from his shift, bursting through the front door loud enough to startle Remus who was tidying up the living room. Mooney, I need you to come with me to Mungo's, said Sirius. At Remus's panicked expression he held up his hands in front of him. The boys are fine, no one is hurt. No one that we know. There's just I don't have time. We need to be back by three to get the boys, so just flew with me, and I'll explain on the way. Remus followed Sirius to the fireplace, not even stopping to trade his slippers for proper shoes, and Sirius pulled him through the halls of St. Mungo's, talking a mile a minute before stopping at one of the rooms. There was a baby. His parents didn't survive. We think the only reason he did was due to one of them casting some quick healing spells to slow the blood flow before they died. Remus's heart was in his throat as he looked through the window at the tiny figure in the bed, surrounded by machinery and the faint aura of magic pulsing around him. He was younger than Harry was when Voldemort attacked, Remus was horrified to see. It had been a miracle that Remus had survived his own bite at age four. This tiny thing, with his heart still beating, was beyond miraculous. Sirius, choked Remus, emotion threatening to send him to his knees. I know, Mooney. Come on, we can sit by him for a few minutes. A few minutes turned into hours. Sirius left to get Harry and Neville from school and when he returned that night, it was with a change of clothes, a hot meal for Remus, and the news that the boys were asleep and Andromeda was at the house and would call if either of them woke up. Then he joined Remus in his vigil beside the bed of the miracle baby they soon learned was called Teddy. Sirius went home to be there when Harry and Neville woke up and to get the boys ready for school. It went unsaid but it was immediately understood that Remus was not going to leave Teddy's side. When Sirius returned after dropping the boys off at school, it was to see Remus talking quietly with a young woman just outside Teddy's room. Sirius waited down the hall, not wanting to interrupt, and watched as the woman wrote something down on her clipboard, nodding at whatever Remus was saying, before shaking his hand and heading off down the hall. 
Sirius waited until the woman had turned the corner before going to stand next to Remus who was facing Teddy's window again. That was the social work liaison. They can't find any family of Teddy's, it seems as if his parents were both only children, no more living grandparents. She was asking about my interest in adopting him, I didn't even think I just said yes. He turned to Sirius in a panic. I just said yes, without even asking you, she already scheduled time to come for a home visit, and I don't even know if the house is fit for a baby, and will we have to disclose that he and I are both werewolves. Take a breath, Ree, said Sirius. What are you saying? They're going to let us take him home. Yeah, she said there would be an investigation to make sure we're a good fit, but yes. He can come home with us as soon as his healer clears it. Sirius threw his arms around Remus and peeked over his shoulder at the small boy, still asleep in the too large bed. Teddy was theirs. I don't think I can leave him here alone. I know, Moons. You don't have to. You stay here with Teddy and I've got the boys covered, said Sirius. He moved behind Remus, keeping his arms wrapped around his body. He pressed several light kisses to the back of his neck as Remus reached up to cover the hands around his middle. I stopped by to talk to Vance and Sable, they're his assigned healers, and they say he should wake up in the next couple of days, could be as soon as tomorrow. This is okay, right, Sirius? I haven't pressured you in. Remus. Mooney. Stop right there with that. I knew he was ours the second I saw him. Neville and Harry were understandably confused when Sirius picked them up from school and Remus was nowhere to be seen for the third day in a row. They eyed each other warily as Sirius ushered them toward the car, knowing they could probably sense his restless energy. By the time they arrived at St. Mungo's Sirius had run out of evasive conversation topics. There's someone very important I'm taking you to meet. He's with Mooney now, and he was hurt very badly a few days ago so we have to be super careful around him, okay? The boys nodded with wide eyes and Sirius held out a hand for each of them to take and walked them to Teddy's room. Remus was sitting in the armchair, Teddy in his arms, carefully swaddled to cover most of his bandages. Remus smiled as they walked in and sat up slightly straighter in the chair. Hi boys. Harry tugged on Sirius's trousers. Is the baby the special person, Papa? He is, said Sirius with a soft laugh. His name is Teddy and he is a very special little boy. Do you want to go say hi to him? Harry nodded and walked slowly over to Remus and Teddy. Neville stayed back by Sirius, still clutching his hand. Hi, Teddy. My name is Harry. Teddy watched Harry with a curious expression, then shut his eyes tight and they all watched in amazement as the previously light brown curls turned into a familiar unruly mop of black hair. Harry laughed and reached out to touch the hair that looked so much like his. Teddy scrunched his face up in concentration again and his hair turned a bright, brilliant blue. How did he do that? Sirius glanced at Remus, just as shocked as Neville and Harry. It seems as if Teddy here is a metamorph magus, said Remus, ruffling the blue curls. He must be feeling better. What's a metamorph magus? asked Neville. He inched forward, pulling Sirius with him as he walked toward the others. 
It's a very rare gift that some magical people have. It means Teddy can change how he looks without needing a wand or spell, he just has to think it, explained Sirius. He took the seat next to Remus and let go of Neville's hand so he could reach over to tickle under Teddy's chin. You know my cousin Nim, how she can make her hair pink and change her nose to make you laugh. She's a metamorph magus too. Wow, breathed Harry. I wish I could do that. What do you guys think about bringing Teddy home with us? Like for a sleepover? asked Harry excitedly. We want to bring Teddy home to be part of our family, said Remus. Do you think you would like to have a little brother? Neville looked up at Remus. Did his mum and dad get hurt by bad magic, too? Yes, love, and Teddy did too but he's going to be okay now. Neville nodded solemnly and said. He needs a Mooney and Papa then. Just like me and Harry. Sirius pulled Neville to him and kissed the top of his head. What do you say, boys? Do you think you can be big brothers? What do big brothers even do, asked Harry. Well, said Remus. They help teach little brothers how to do stuff, and they do their best to make sure little brothers don't get hurt. It's a very important job, said Sirius. And Teddy will be so lucky to have two big brothers who can show him all the important things like how to run fast and which foods taste gross. Harry looked at Neville with a smile. Wanna be big brothers? Neville nodded and then finally scooted closer to get a better look at Teddy who was now watching him with big brown eyes. Hi, Teddy. Me and Harry will make sure no bad magic ever gets you. Harry's got good magic though, and Mooney and Papa do too, so you won't ever get hurt again. Sirius leaned over so that he could press his arm against Remus's, knowing that his heart must also be bursting with so much love for their boys. Chapter 5, A Soft Place to Land Remus had grown up gardening with his mother, and when they'd first moved into this house, he had planted a small garden with very basic plants, happy to have something nice to keep his hands busy and to make him think of hope. When Neville joined them, he was always happy to sit in the garden with Remus, his tiny hands covered in dirt, listening intently as Remus explained all the different kinds of plants and what they could be used for in both magical and muggle ways. Neville was given his own patch of dirt and allowed to pick out what to put there, and Remus watched in awe as his plants thrived. Each year the garden was expanded upon and it was clear early on that Neville had an aptitude for plants. Harry on the other hand was hopeless with plants and luckily had no qualms about staying as far away from the garden as he could. He did, however, show a talent for sports. They signed him up for every team possible and watched from the sidelines as Harry excelled, cheering him on at every game. Both boys shared a love of helping Sirius in the kitchen. They would help make dinner often, standing on chairs pulled up to the counter, proudly performing the job Sirius doled out to them. Harry was particularly intuitive at cooking, while Neville showed promise when it came to baking. As the boys grew, so did their talents, and the home soon became decorated by countless sporting trophies, and ribbons from local gardening and baking competitions. Both boys were supported at each event by two embarrassing dads cheering louder than the other parents, and two brothers holding signs and cheering just as loud. 
Teddy loved trailing after his two big brothers, playing football with Harry, and digging in the garden with Neville. Standing beside them all in the kitchen, lighting up whenever he was given permission to toss some ingredients into a bowl or to crack an egg or two. They got along very well for being three very different children. They also never seemed to be upset if one of them decided to go off and do his own thing. They knew each other well enough to understand that they didn't always enjoy the same activities. Remus was standing off to the side during school pickup, keeping an eye out to see if Neville or Harry's class had been let out yet, while also avoiding eye contact with the local mums who seemed to find Remus and Sirius fascinating. About half were fascinated in a horrifying way, the idea of two men raising children together not fitting neatly into their ideas of what makes a family. The other half loved to gush about them whenever they did the bare minimum of parenting. These women were also obsessed with their tragic backstories. Remus hoped they could keep Teddy off their radar for as long as possible. Let me ask my dad. Remus turned at the sound of Harry's voice and saw him striding toward him, his backpack bouncing along behind him. He threw himself into Remus's arms and gave him a quick hug. Mooney, can I go to Connor's house? He got a new video game he wants to show me. Did Connor ask his parents? Yeah, he asked his mum already, and she said yes. I also asked if Neville can come too, but he probably won't want to, said Harry. Remus smiled at him, feeling a surge of pride that Harry and Neville were always quick to include each other, even though they ran in wildly different circles. They were the most considerate and kind kids, and it was impossible to not think of James and Alice, who always made sure that no one was left out of things. Yeah, Nev will probably want to come home with me, but that was very good of you to include him, said Remus, ruffling Harry's hair affectionately. Neville soon joined them, also greeting Remus with a big hug. Do you want to come to Connor's house with me to play video games? asked Harry, wasting no time. Neville hummed, thinking. No thank you, but we can play asteroids when you get home later. Yeah, sounds good, Nev. Okay, I'll see you after dinner then, bye. Remus caught the strap of Harry's bag as he turned to hurry off, and pulled him back. Hang on, Haz. I need to talk to Connor's mum before you leave. After a pickup time had been agreed on, and Harry had handed his backpack over to Remus to take home, Remus and Neville set off for the cottage, Neville slipping a hand into Remus's as they walked. Since Harry's off at a playdate, is there anything special you want to do? Neville swung their arms between them as he thought. Can we make one of the big cakes from Nana Hope's book? Neville loved browsing the pages of both Hope Lupin and Effie Potter's cookbooks. He and Sirius had attempted some of the smaller bakes, but Neville had been eager to go for one of the bigger challenges. We sure can. I'll have Papa bring home everything we need and I'll be on Teddy watch so the kitchen doesn't end up covered in flour again. That was really funny though, said Neville with a smirk. Yeah, but only because we were able to clean it up with magic. They had expected there to be a harsher adjustment period for Teddy once they brought him home. Remus had turned down all research jobs that were offered to him, and Sirius took a month's leave from St. Mungo's so they could help Teddy settle in. Except Teddy seemed pretty settled for the most part. 
He had cried several times, asking for Mama and Dada, which broke their hearts, but all it took was Remus holding Teddy close and rocking him for him to calm. Sirius had a theory that maybe it was something wolfish, some sort of animalistic instinct that marked Remus as pack, as safe. After the first moon, where Teddy and Remus spent the entire night curled around each other, Teddy soon recovered enough for his new family to see that their littlest member was full of chaos. Teddy was tiny but fast. He managed to be everywhere all at once, knocking things over, upending baskets, tearing pages out of books. Remus and Sirius would spend most of the day chasing after him and cleaning up the mess he left in his wake, laughing as Teddy's high-pitched giggles filled the air. Harry and Neville were the only ones who could get Teddy to sit still for more than two minutes at a time, he was enamored with his new big brothers and always eager to play with them. Teddy no. Neville's scream echoed through the small cottage, and Sirius went running. He'd left them playing in Neville and Harry's room, blocks and dinosaur toys scattered around them on the floor. He'd gone to his and Remus's room to put away the laundry, leaving all doors open so he could hear if anyone needed him. Remus and Harry were outside so Harry could practice his flying in preparation for his upcoming junior Quidditch League tryouts. Sirius raced into the hallway and his heart was in his throat when he saw Neville standing at the top of the stairs. He ran over and was instantly relieved to see that Teddy was laying on a pile of cushions that looked as though they came flying in from their living room couch. Remus was there, probably running in after hearing Neville's shout. Neville was hunched over the railing, and Sirius could see that he was crying. Hey, he's okay, Nev, look. He's alright, Teddy's not hurt. Neville shook his head and kept crying, even as Sirius pulled him in for a hug. It's my fault, he sobbed, ignoring Sirius's soothing motions. I didn't know the gate was open and, 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 he ran out so fast and he's not supposed to be on the stairs alone but I was too slow. Neville, babe, look at him, Teddy is okay. It's not your fault, okay? Mooney was there and Teddy didn't get hurt. See? Remus was looking from the cushions up to Neville in wonder. It wasn't me, he said. Neville. Neville, did you do magic to help Teddy? This stopped Neville's sobs as he lifted his head and finally looked. He stared at the cushions, Teddy now bouncing on them, happy as a clam. I I wanted it to be soft, said Neville, with a stunned expression. He looked at Remus, then Sirius, then back at Teddy on the cushions. I made it soft. Neville. I think you just did your first accidental magic, said Sirius, grabbing him by the shoulders and smiling wide. Neville blinked up at him before a tentative smile graced his face. Harry came bolting into the room looking windswept and trailing mud from the yard. He stopped short at everyone gathered around the opposite ends of the staircase. What happened? Neville, do you want to tell Harry? Neville looked down at Remus and nodded, his smile growing wider. I did magic. Harry whooped in excitement and started jumping in a circle. Yes. Now we can both go to Hogwarts and do magic forever. Neville let out a burst of laughter, closely followed by more tears and Sirius folded him into a huge hug. He kissed Neville's head and leaned down to whisper in his ear. We are so proud of you, Neville.
you made some really good magic there. Teddy picked up on the exciting energy, clapping along as he bounced. All right, said Remus, scooping Teddy up. This calls for a special dinner. Neville, what should we have? Pizza night. Harry whooped again. Yes. Pizza night. Magic pizza night. Sirius laughed and kept his arms wrapped around Neville, moving them back and forth in a little waltz. Magic pizza night it is. Chapter 6, Hogwarts and Howlers The much-anticipated Hogwarts owl landed on their patio table shortly after noon the day before Neville's birthday. It dropped two thick envelopes on top of the puzzle Sirius and Teddy were working on before hooting loudly and taking back off to the skies. Harry was in the yard within seconds. Was that an owl? Neville. Neville they're here. Neville flew out the back door, cheeks red from exertion, and came up short right beside Harry. The two of them stood there, staring at the envelopes, eyes wide with excitement. Mooney, called Sirius, hoping Remus was still within earshot in the kitchen. Get that lovely arse of yours out here so the boys can open their letters. Gross, Papa, scoffed Harry. He grabbed Neville's hand and pulled him over to the table. Sirius handed each boy the letter with their name on it, and watched as Harry's eyes hungrily roved over the calligraphy while Neville traced the words reverently with a finger. All right, all right, I'm here, open them up boys, said Remus. Harry grinned at his brother and ripped the envelope open, while Neville carefully slid a finger under the seal. They read through their letters quickly with matching grins before Harry whooped and threw his arms around Neville. We're going to Hogwarts. Hoggy warty Hogwarts. The excitement lasted well into the evening. Remus and Sirius had decided that such a momentous occasion needed to be celebrated in some way, so even though there were to be two special birthday dinners, and a big party in the yard that weekend, they treated the boys to dinner at the nearby McDonald's, hiding Teddy's bright green hair under a hat gifted to him by Molly Weasley. Early one morning, a week before they would all be making their way to King's Cross, Remus woke Neville gently so as not to wake Harry. When Neville finally made it downstairs fully dressed and wiping the sleep from his eyes, Remus tossed flu powder into the fireplace and the two of them emerged in Augusta's sitting room. Neville was greeted by his grandmother with a tight hug and a dry kiss before she led them into the dining room where there was an entire breakfast spread waiting for them. As they ate, Neville regaled Augusta with stories from his and Harry's birthday party, and their trip to Diagon Alley to shop for school supplies. He explained his choice for an old toad because he felt sorry for it sitting in the corner alone while all of the other kids chose owls and cats. Besides, he added. Harry will share Hedwig with me. After telling her the hilarious story of Teddy turning Sirius's hair orange in the middle of the grocery store, Neville's mood plummeted. He savored the last few bites of his bacon before thanking his gran, hugging Remus, and going to spend some time with Frank and Alice. It would be his last visit with them before leaving for school, and it would be the longest stretch of time that he would go without visiting. Remus knew it weighed heavy on him. Neville had brought them pictures to hang up, of him alone and with his brothers. He told them all about his excitement for his first day, leaving out the part that he was also incredibly nervous to be away from home.
He showed them his brand new wand, which was made from the same wood as Frank's and had the same core as Alice's. He spent a couple of hours with them before giving them each a teary hug and promising to write. When they left the manor, Neville was quiet beside Remus. This was normal. Neville usually needed a few hours after seeing his parents before he could perk up again. Remus had a surprise however, that he hoped would boost Neville's mood. When Neville made to walk to their usual apparition point, Remus held him back. We're actually doing something a bit different today, he said. I've borrowed a car from your grand's neighbor for the day. Up for a bit of a drive? Neville was silent for the drive to London, staring forlornly out the window. Remus knew that he would open up when he was ready to talk about it, so he just made sure Neville knew he was there, and when they pulled into the car park, Neville sat up straight in his seat and looked out the window in shock. There's a secret magical exhibit, but I think we should see as much of the main gardens too, said Remus with a smile. Neville was out the door in seconds, and striding forward toward the entrance to the Royal Botanic Gardens. They wandered around for a couple of hours, Neville excitedly pointing out all of the different plants and flowers before Remus led them to a bench and pulled out some sandwiches from his bag. Do you want to talk about what's got you feeling down today? Neville shrugged and took a long drink from his water bottle. Seeing them makes me feel sad. And then I feel bad that it makes me sad because I should be happy that I still get to see them at all. Does it make me bad? That sometimes I wish I could just stay home. Oh, Nev, said Remus. He moved the sandwiches out of the way and pulled Neville into a hug. Having bad feelings does not mean that you're a bad person. It isn't fair that the Frank and Alice that you see aren't the same ones who were so excited when they found out they were having a baby. They wanted to give you the whole world. And they, of all people, would never want you to feel bad about how you feel. They were both so incredibly kind and loving, and you are the kindest boy I have ever met. Neville sniffled and hugged Remus tighter. Will they be okay while I'm gone? I'm scared they're going to miss me too much. I don't want them to be sad. Remus was filled with such love for this sweet, sensitive kid. They'll be okay, I promise. Papa and I will make sure we keep up with visiting, and we'll even bring Teddy. Your mum loves it when he changes his hair to bright colors for her. Yeah and dad likes it when mum laughs. Neville let go and leaned back on the bench, wiping his eyes and nose on his sleeve. Can we go look at the magic stuff now? Remus laughed and kissed the top of Neville's head. Course we can. They all cried when Harry and Neville boarded the train. Sirius, Remus, and Teddy stood on the platform, Teddy openly sobbing as he frantically waved, Sirius and Remus, smiling through the tears in their eyes. Harry and Teddy were laugh-crying as they waved back, promising to call as soon as they could. Teddy fell asleep on the way home and was in a much better mood when he woke up, going straight to his room to draw pictures to send his brothers, but Sirius and Remus felt the loss of their oldest boys like a missing limb. Sirius stood in front of their wall of framed photos for several minutes until he pulled one off the wall and brought it over to Remus in tears. In the picture, Sirius was holding both boys, who were around four or five, as they sat astride his motorbike, all three of them in matching leather jackets and sunglasses. 
How are they old enough for school, Mooney? I hate it, he cried, half laughing at himself. I know. I keep taking my mirror out, convinced I've heard their voices calling us, said Remus. He reached out and took the photo into his hands, smiling at the memory of this day. How did my mum do this every year? She must have been so lonely once dad was gone. Yeah right, your mum was the life of that village, I bet she had the whole place over four special brownies weekly. I think you're right actually. Ugh, what time is the welcoming feast usually over? I hate that we haven't heard from them all day. Sirius let out a deep sigh and threw himself down on the couch, laying his head in Remus's lap. Can we make Teddy be five forever? There's gotta be a spell for that, he mumbled into Remus's stomach. We'll just follow him to school. Dumbledore owes us, replied Remus knowingly. Mooney and Papa Remus opened his mirror embarrassingly quickly, and Sirius immediately squished his face as close to Remus's as possible so they could both fit in the frame. Neville was grinning from ear to ear. I'm in Gryffindor. That is wonderful news, Nev. Tell us about your day, said Remus. Neville launched into a story that started with him and Harry buying too many sweets on the train, losing and finding Trevor, and then how they were all put in little boats and taken across the lake. By the time he had gotten to tell them about his sorting, he had barely stopped to take a breath. Well the hat was torn between Hufflepuff and Gryffindor and I was worried for a second that I wouldn't get sorted anywhere but then it shouted out Gryffindor and everyone cheered and I already made a new friend on the train named Hermione and she was sorted before me so she had a spot right next to her on the bench. We just got up to our room now. This place is so big we almost got lost. But Percy showed us how to get into the common room. The password is Caput Draconis, can you remember that in case I forget? Sirius laughed warmly. We sure can, babe. There was the sound of rustling and then Neville looked away before another face popped into the frame. Hi. We're in Gryffindor together, shouted Harry. He settled next to Neville and they were both soon visible, matching smiles on their faces. Remus's own cheeks hurt from beaming at his boys, and he knew that Sirius was crying from the sniffling sounds he was making. Look at our two Gryffindors. We're so proud of you both, said Sirius, wiping his eyes. I have a secret though, said Harry, lowering his voice a bit. I asked for Gryffindor. The hat said I could do well in Slytherin or Gryffindor, but since Neville was already sorted, I wanted to be with him here. Plus, all my parents were Gryffindors. Is that okay? That I asked. Of course that's okay. I asked too, said Sirius. Your dad and I had met on the train and he was so sure about Gryffindor that I begged the hat to send me there instead of Slytherin, even though I knew my family would hate me for it. Bravest thing you've ever done, said Remus, giving him a quick kiss on the cheek. Where did Ron end up? He's here too. He's downstairs getting a lecture from Percy on how to behave, said Harry with an eye roll. Fred and George said we don't have to listen to prefects though. You absolutely do when it's about safety, said Remus. And you'll want to stay on the good side of Professor McGonagall, but she doesn't mind a little bit of mischief. 
She does hate tardiness, however, so maybe we should let you two get settled in for the night. You remembered to pack your alarm clocks. The boys nodded. Okay that's good, don't forget to set it correctly. And any time you need us, day or night, even if it's just because you miss our old faces, you can call us, said Sirius. We will always answer for you. Remus was nodding. And if you don't feel like calling, that's fine too, just send us a letter. We'll write to you, and Teddy has already drawn several pictures for you to hang in your dorm. You'll call us too, asked Neville, a slight tremble in his voice. Of course we will, love. You don't even know how much we miss you already. Papa and I have been sitting here staring at our mirrors all day and night, waiting for your call. We're very pathetic without you, said Sirius solemnly, making the boys laugh. Now get into your pajamas and get to know your new friends. We cannot wait to hear all about it. We love you so much. Love you too, chorused Harry and Neville, both breaking out into huge yawns. They smiled one last time before Sirius waved his hand over the mirror and it went dark. The next morning at breakfast, a rush of owls swooped in and Neville and Harry were surprised when Arch dropped a large red envelope in front of them before stealing Neville's toast and flying off again. A howler? Asked Ron. Harry shrugged and carefully opened the envelope, and let out a startled laugh when Teddy's squeaky voice filled the great hall. Hi Harry and Neville, I am so happy you are Gryffindors. Can you send me a lion hat? Don't tell Papa and Mooney that I mailed this to you. They told me not to. I love you. Write me a letter. Bye. Oh yeah this is Teddy. Chapter 7, Potions There was a man waiting in Sirius's office when he came back from his rounds. He looked vaguely familiar, perhaps only a couple of years older than Sirius was. Healer Black, my name is Damocles Belby, your colleagues pointed me in your direction and I would be very grateful if you could spare a few minutes of your time. Sirius normally would not take unscheduled meetings while on the clock, but if the other healers had sent this man specifically to him, he was now curious. He gestured for Belby to have a seat and then sat down in his own chair behind his desk. What can I do for you, Mr. Belby? I'm told you're the resident expert on lycanthropy. I was wondering if you might have some insight to help me with my research. Sirius led Belby into their living room, instructing him to wait on the couch while he went in search of Remus. He found him in Teddy's room, sorting through the toys that littered the ground. What happened here? Mild magical meltdown when I told him it was time for school, said Remus with an eye roll. He covered himself with every toy in the house trying to hide from me and laughed himself silly when I pretended I couldn't find him. In the end, he forgot he was trying to be mad about going and let me flew him there without a fight. I'm going to have him clean this up when he gets home, but I figured it will be easier if they're all in the correct piles. You big softy. I actually have someone waiting downstairs, it's kind of important, said Sirius, reaching out a hand to help Remus up. Now, before you go down there and freak out when he starts his proposal, know that I have taken his wand and he has agreed to an obliviate should you turn him away. Sirius. Just hear him out, and then we can talk about it, okay?
I wouldn't have brought him here, to our home, if I didn't think it was worth something big. Belby's proposal left Remus standing still, gaping at the man. Sirius knew how it sounded, a master potioner taking an interest in the well-being of werewolves. It was unheard of. Belby finished his spiel by saying he was far along enough to begin a trial, but he had already been turned down by countless others, and when he was asking around the Di Llewellyn ward they all lauded Sirius as the only person with the most knowledge when it came to lycanthropy. I knew it meant that either he was a werewolf himself, or that he knew one very closely in order to have all of the insider information about transformations and treatment. Not to mention the packs that I visited all spoke about a very wealthy benefactor who set up safe houses and funding anonymously and it was not hard to connect that to you. I know that what I'm asking is a huge risk, but I have the utmost confidence in my ability as a potioner that this will work. I just need one person who is willing to help me prove it. Remus stared at him for another long moment before turning on his heel and walking through the doors to the kitchen. Sirius heard the back door open as well. He turned to Belby. Just give us a few minutes to talk about it, he said. He walked over and turned on the television. Have you ever watched telly before? It's brilliant, the muggles are really onto something here. He followed Remus's steps outside and found him leaning against the back wall of the cottage, breathing deeply. Mooney. Tell me what you know about him. Belby. I looked him up after he left my office today. Graduated three years ahead of us at the top of his class, with special acknowledgments in herbology and potions. He was the youngest student to be accepted into alchemy until Marlene tied him in our fifth year. After graduating, he apprenticed with the top potions masters across the globe, including a full year spent under Nicolas Flamel's tutelage. He wasn't part of the order but he spent the war working undercover and built explosives for our side, and may or may not have poisoned several Death Eaters. He's legit, Mooney. He has been working towards completing this potion for nearly his entire life. Why werewolves? Why us? His cousin was bitten when he was twelve. She ripped herself to pieces one night as the wolf, and by the time someone found her in the morning, it was too late. Remus moved away from the wall and began to pace. What do you think? I think. My gut is telling me to go with this one, Mooney. He reached out and pulled Remus toward him, running a hand up to play with the hair on the back of his neck. But this is not my decision, and whatever you choose will be the right answer. I'm scared it's too good to be true, admitted Remus. I know. But this could change everything. For Teddy. If for some reason he's ever forced to transform alone, I don't want him to ever know that pain. I don't want him waking up with self-inflicted scars. Sirius held Remus to him, giving him the silence and space to think through his decision. Okay, said Remus, lifting his head up from where it had been leaning on Sirius's shoulder. I'll do it. So long as mine and Teddy's identities are protected, I'll test the potion. Sirius cupped Remus's face in his hands and pressed a gentle kiss to his lips. Mooney. You there? Remus pulled out his mirror and saw Harry's face looking back at him. Harry was wearing a very familiar expression, he looked exactly like both James and Sirius when they had been caught out doing something they shouldn't. 
Has, everything okay? Berm. No. Not exactly. You're probably going to get a letter home, said Harry. I got detention. Detention already? That's a bit impressive, has, even your dad and Sirius made it at least a week and a half into first year, said Remus, smirking. Want to tell me what happened? Okay, well, the potions professor really does hate me, Mooney. He made me sit in the back of the room because he said he refuses to treat me like a celebrity, and he ignored me when I said I couldn't see the board from the back. So then today, Neville was reading them to me out loud and Professor Snape got mad. Wait, did you say Snape? Severus Snape is the potions professor? Yes. Do you know him? Is he always so mean? He was in school at the same time as me, but go on with the story and tell me what else happened. So Snape got mad and yelled at Neville for talking, and I tried to say that Neville was only helping me, so then Snape was all, well if Mr. Longbottom thinks he's more adept than me, let's prove it, and then he said he was gonna test Neville's potion on Trevor. But because Neville was helping me, he didn't finish his potion, so he was super scared for Trevor. And Snape just kept going, and the whole class was watching, and the Slytherins were laughing at Neville. And when Snape came close and tried to reach for Trevor, my potion kind of exploded. On accident. Remus was quiet for a moment, and exceedingly grateful he picked up Harry's call before Sirius did. Sirius was never able to keep a cool head when it came to Snape, not that Remus blamed him. Mooney, it really was an accident. But some of it got on Snape's robes and he accused me of throwing it at him. I have to go to a meeting with Headmaster Dumbledore before my detention, mumbled Harry, his voice getting smaller. Am I going to be expelled? Remus wished he could reach through the mirror and hug his son. Of course you won't be expelled, Harry. This sounds very much like an accident, your magic does always go a bit crazy when someone is hurting Neville. Listen, Sirius and I will talk to Professor Dumbledore, and we'll get everything sorted out, okay? Where's Neville? He's in the common room, Ron is teaching him to play chess to cheer him up. Why don't you go down and hang out with your friends? I don't want you to worry about this, okay? Professor Dumbledore won't expel you, I promise. Okay. Thanks, Mooney. And tell Neville not to feel bad, he didn't do anything wrong either. I'm very proud of both of you for always looking out for each other. Now go have fun and I'll talk to you later. Love you. I love you too has, pass it to Neville too. When the mirror went dark and then reflected Remus's own face, he sighed and returned it to his pocket before going to find Sirius out in the yard. Padfoot was running circles around a laughing Teddy, who was trying to catch him, a bucket of water sloshing in his hands. We've got a bit of a problem, Pads, said Remus. Padfoot stopped and morphed back into Sirius and Teddy happily dumped the water on Sirius's head. Sirius shook his head like a dog, smiling as Teddy shrieked and bolted away from the wet hair. Sirius dried himself off with his wand and looked expectantly at Remus. Were you aware that Severus Snape is the potions professor? Remus conjured a soft bench for him and Harry to sit on as they waited. They could hear Sirius shouting from where the entrance to the headmaster's office remained open.
Remus and Sirius had crashed Harry's meeting, not intent on letting someone like Severus Snape remain in a position of power over their kids. Dumbledore had listened patiently to Harry's account of the events, sitting quietly as Harry described the bullying he and Neville had been subjected to. He remained silent as Snape then accused Harry of being an attention-seeking liar. It was when Snape dared to say James's name at the end of that particular sentence that Remus gently tugged on Harry's arm and led him down the stone steps, Sirius's outrage echoing between the stone walls. Harry was swinging his legs back and forth on the bench, always in motion just like James had been, fingers tapping, legs kicking, head bobbing, it was impossible for him to sit still. Snape had been right about one thing, Harry was just like James. Loyal beyond all else, always looking out for the people he loved, eager to speak up at the first sign of wrongdoing. Remus reached over and fondly ruffled the unruly mop on Harry's head. Is Sirius allowed to yell at the headmaster like that? Remus shrugged. Dumbledore's used to it. He might be up there for a while though, what do you say about grabbing Neville and seeing some of the secrets of the castle? Harry jumped up immediately with an emphatic. Yes. There's a passageway around the corner that will take us close to Gryffindor Tower, said Remus, leading the way down the hall. And then I think we should head down to the kitchens, the house elves are always willing to provide some midnight snacks. Not that I'm condoning being out of bed after curfew, added Remus with a wink. Harry grinned. When Sirius met up with them, they had enjoyed a small feast in the kitchens and Remus had shown them three of the tunnels that the marauders had found, deciding that they should have the fun of finding the others on their own. Sirius had not only gotten Harry's detention dismissed, but he had gotten Dumbledore to agree that neither boy would be subjected to Severus Snape again. At least in his own classroom. They'd be privately tutored. I cannot believe you convinced Dumbledore to let them have a private tutor instead of going to potions, said Remus once they had left the boys safely outside the entrance to Gryffindor Tower. Yeah well, the old man owes us, said Sirius. I threatened to transfer the boys to Bo Battens and that seemed to convince him. Who do you even know that would agree to the job? I figure we can use this as part of your agreeing to test the wolfsbane for Belby. On top of a very lucrative salary, of course, said Sirius, tossing his arm around Remus's shoulder. Wanna go snog in an empty classroom, for old time's sake. Chapter 8, Yellow As their first year progressed, Sirius and Remus got increasingly concerning mirror calls and letters home from the boys. Neville fell off his broom and broke his wrist, but he's totally fine now. Don't ask why, but I need to know how to beat someone in a duel. By midnight. You already heard about the troll. Yeah, it almost got us but then Ron was able to knock it out so we got away. We got points for Gryffindor, though. Do three-headed dogs eat people? Harry caught the snitch. Well, technically he choked on it, but then he caught it. Do curses need prolonged eye contact? Er, you can't tell his mum, but Ron got bit by a dragon. A baby. It's a small bite. But his hand is kind of turning green, can you send us a salve?
When Harry and Neville called home and offhandedly mentioned that they might have seen Voldemort's bodiless form drinking unicorn blood in the Forbidden Forest, Sirius and Remus were forced to reconsider the safety and security of their beloved cottage. Sirius reluctantly admitted that his family home, the gloomy Grimald Place townhouse, was steeped in centuries of protective charms and wards and was probably the most unplottable building in England barring Gringotts. He took a leave of absence and set to work immediately, needing to clear out all of the dangerous objects before he'd let any of the kids step foot inside. Especially Teddy. If anyone had the knack for finding and setting off a curse by accident, it would be their chaotic youngest. Teddy wasn't able to attend a muggle school, due to the unpredictable nature of his metamorph magus abilities and heightened accidental magic. They enrolled him instead in a magical daycare recommended to them by Andromeda who had gone through a similar struggle when Nim was small. On the days when Sirius couldn't stand being in Grimald Place for more than a couple of hours, he would sign Teddy out early and take him traipsing around London, his ever-changing hair hidden under the Gryffindor cap he refused to take off. They went to the zoo, to roller skating rinks, to the arcade. Sometimes Remus joined them, but it was mostly just Sirius and Teddy, spending hours burning off their pent-up energy. Sirius couldn't help but think about his brother on those days, remembering how they would whisper about going out in Muggle London when they were old enough. They'd cower in the dark corners of the house, hiding from their mother, soothing each other with talk of museums and zoos and something called a movie that Andromeda had snuck out to go see and been heavily punished for. Sirius would say. As soon as we're big, Reg, I'll take us everywhere. Teddy was nothing like Regulus in truth. Reg had been quiet, sneaky, calculating, only showing his softer side late at night when he'd slip into Sirius's room and ask for a story. Any story. He had just wanted to hear Sirius's voice. Teddy was loud, rambunctious, and extremely quick to laugh. But sometimes his curls would brush against Sirius's arm unexpectedly and Sirius would get goosebumps. Sometimes at night, he would ask Sirius to tell him a story and Sirius would find himself suddenly remembering made-up tales from decades before, thought up to soothe a very different little boy. Then one day, while Teddy was darting in between sculptures at the V&A, a mischievous smile on his face as he got a little too close to each one, Sirius realized what it was. Teddy was who Regulus could have been if they had been born to different parents. A Regulus who had been raised with the unconditional love that Teddy was given. Sirius had tried his best, but a barely older brother couldn't make up for the harm caused by everyone else around them. And while Teddy usually favored Remus when he was scared or hurt, something they attributed to wolf instincts, he always went to Sirius for emotional comfort, just like Regulus had. Sirius was pulled from his reverie as Teddy stopped in front of one of the sculptures and called for him. He was pointing up, eyes fixed on a very specific area of the sculpture in front of him. Papa, that's a penis. Sirius snorted loudly as he hurried over to Teddy and scooped him up into a hug. Teddy giggled and squirmed, trying to escape his arms. The stuffy museum-goers were glaring at them but Sirius could not care less. That is a penis, very good, Ted's. Where should we go next? Hmm. I think I need ice cream. I think I need ice cream too. I think you need yellow hair like me, Papa, said Teddy, 
tugging on a strand that had fallen out of Sirius's bun. Okay, if you can wait long enough until we're at Diagon Alley to turn my hair yellow, we can go get ice cream. Teddy cheered and skipped down the sidewalk as they walked toward the leaky cauldron. The second they were inside, Teddy ripped off his hat and gestured for Sirius to lift him up. Once Sirius was sporting identical canary yellow hair to his, Teddy patted his cheeks happily and said. Now we match. Sirius strode proudly down the streets of Diagon Alley, leading the way toward Florian Fortescue's ice cream parlor. He'd gladly go bald if it would make Teddy smile. Chapter 9, Professor R.J. Lupin When the rumors started swirling around about Gilderoy Lockhart being tapped for the vacant data position, Remus was treated to one of Sirius's very finest outbursts. Gilly the Git, Mooney. Can you imagine him trying to keep any of those kids out of harm's way? That fool got himself accidentally locked in Myrtle's toilet on more than one occasion. Bloody Lockhart, supposed to teach children. It's a joke. I won't stand for it. I've already written to Dumbledore. I'll not have Harry and Neville be put in more danger because they've been assigned a dimwit blowhard for a teacher. Remus opened his mouth to agree but Sirius had just paused to catch his breath and continued pacing before Remus could get a word out. I'm really beginning to think Dumbledore's not all there. For Merlin's sake, how many times did the boys nearly die last term? I know I was joking about joining the Board of Governors, just to spite Lucius Malfoy, but I'm seriously considering it now. Remus set his book on the side table and held out his hand toward Sirius. Sirius did him one better and threw himself onto the couch, half on top of Remus, half sprawled out on the empty cushions. Remus's hands went instinctively into Sirius's hair, combing through the smooth, familiar strands. Do you think this is how our parents felt when we were at school? Effie and Monty, I mean, and Mum and Da. Probably. And they only knew what McGonagall wrote home about, said Sirius, his voice muffled from where his mouth was pressed against Remus's stomach. Imagine if they'd known we spent half our night sneaking off the castle grounds, oh fuck. Sirius sat up suddenly. They don't know about the tunnels out of Hogwarts, do they? Our boys are trouble magnets, but I don't think they're actively seeking it out like we were, said Remus, remembering all the nights when James and Sirius coaxed him and Peter from their beds with promises of adventure. Mooney. They fought a troll, two months in. Fair point. Is it unethical to place a tracking charm on a kid? In the end, Sirius did join the Board of Governors, much to Lucius Malfoy's disgust. He'd also talked Hermione's mother into joining, after taking the other board members to task for neglecting an entire group of parents and guardians who deserved a voice just as much as the pure-blood parents. Not wanting to aggravate a black, they hastily agreed and added a position on the board solely catering to the Muggleborn population. Lockhart lasted until the beginning of November. After removing all of the bones in Harry's arm, not to mention the dueling lesson fiasco and the whispers surrounding Mrs. Norris' petrification, Sirius successfully convinced the board to lobby for his removal. When Sirius arrived home from that meeting, looking exhausted but triumphant, he lifted Teddy into the air when he was greeted at the door with his usual welcome home hug. 
Remus, smiling at the sight, continued setting the table for dinner, listening to Teddy excitedly filling in Sirius on his day at school. And then we learned about Grindelows. Do you know about those, Papa? They are so scary and cool and I wanted to get one for our pond, but Da says we can't because then I'll get taken underwater and won't be able to come out ever again, said Teddy finishing with a disappointed sigh. It had taken Remus over half an hour to convince Teddy that Grindylows were not a good potential pet. Sirius laughed and pressed a kiss to Teddy's hair, which he'd turned green in honor of his new favorite creature. I think Da's right, babe. I'd be very sad if a Grindelow took you to live with him underwater. Yeah, that's what Da said too, said Teddy sadly. Sirius lowered him back to the ground, only for Teddy to then take his hand and tug him toward the dining room. When they had finished eating, and Teddy had scurried off to his room to play, Sirius and Remus stood side by side washing the dishes. How did it go today? They're removing Lockhart from the staff, said Sirius, but there was something in his tone that made Remus immediately suspicious. But? There was a suggestion put forth from among the teachers of who should replace him. He's rather good actually. Has tons of experience in the subject, and would make an excellent teacher. Single-handedly got a few of his classmates through newts. Remus's stomach flipped. Serious. You'd be brilliant, Mooney. No, I already know what you're going to say, I don't have any teaching experience, Serious. I already have a job, Serious. I can't just change careers in the middle of the semester, Serious. But you can. The only reason Pettigrew even made it to graduation was because you basically tutored him every week for seven years. And remember how difficult Harry found maths. You spent one afternoon going over it with him and he was top of the class after. Not to mention the fact that Neville calls you for homework help all the time because you make things easier to understand than his teachers. Just just think about it, Moons. Remus was quiet for a few minutes as he focused on his duty of drying the dishes as Sirius washed them. It might be nice having a closer eye on the boys. Sirius hummed in agreement. I can't be any worse than Lockhart or Quarrel were. Certainly not, said Sirius with a grin. It would be good for Teddy to have the forbidden forest to run around in during the moons. Sirius stopped and turned to face Remus with his grin still plastered on his face. Just say yes, Remus, he laughed. Remus took a deep breath, and expected to feel a larger sense of apprehension, but was surprised to notice that this idea simply felt right. Yes. Remus's rooms in the castle were large enough to accommodate the entire family, but they decided that Teddy and Sirius would remain in London, with Remus flewing home at least three nights a week, and Teddy and Sirius going to Hogwarts every Sunday for dinner. Remus had worried that Neville and Harry would be embarrassed to have their dad there every day, but the two of them surprised him with their excitement. There were some awkward moments inside the classroom at first, not knowing how to address him in front of their classmates, but after a couple of weeks it had become normal. They also delighted in toting Teddy around the school on the days he was visiting, showing him where they spent their time and introducing him to all of their friends. Sirius was right in saying Remus would be a good teacher. By the end of the school year, he had more than made up for whatever damage Lockhart had done, 
and the owl and newt students in particular were relieved to the high heavens when Remus showed himself to be a capable and engaging teacher. There were rumors about a jinx on the position of defense against the dark arts professor, rumors that the teachers couldn't help but warn Remus of. The evidence certainly pointed to them being true. Quirrell wasn't the first, or twentieth, teacher to die by the end of the year, but Remus refused to take the fears to heart. He'd faced much worse in his life than a rumored jinx. And when the end of the year came and went, and Remus returned safely the following September, it seemed as though perhaps this jinx simply didn't apply to him. Belby was still coming to the castle three times a week, teaching Harry and Neville potions, and he dutifully delivered two doses of Wolfsbane each month for Remus and Teddy. Remus alone would be content to simply curl up in front of his fireplace and sleep the moon away, but Teddy was still young and full of energy and needed space to run and hunt and play. Padfoot would do most of the heavy lifting there, letting Remus accompany them at a more leisurely pace until Teddy's energy was spent and the three of them would make their way back through the castle, Mooney hidden under a disillusionment charm, Teddy bundled up under the invisibility cloak in Sirius's arms, and then the two wolves would cuddle up in front of the fire, Padfoot eventually curling up with them once Sirius had made sure the doors were locked and charmed to only open for Neville. And Harry, who liked to come check on everyone as soon as they woke up. If it was a Saturday or Sunday, they'd all pile onto the big bed and have breakfast and lays about together until St. Mungo's or Quidditch, or the greenhouses called someone away. Hogwarts was still a veritable death trap, especially for Harry it seemed, and by extension, Neville, Ron, and Hermione. The difference was that now they reached out to Remus and Sirius for help when things seemed too big. And while Ron and Harry did enter the Chamber of Secrets alone to save Ginny, they had at least sent Neville to get Remus to help. When Teddy was sorted into Hufflepuff, the entire family breathed a sigh of relief. None of them could have handled another headstrong Gryffindor, let alone one with Teddy's natural talent for mischief. Teddy himself was ecstatic about his house, as he had grown to hero-worship his cousin Nim, who now preferred to be known as Tonks, and no one would ever be as cool as her in his eyes, much to Sirius's chagrin. Remus often looked at his life with an air of disbelief in moments of reflection. He'd grown up not expecting anything more than the bare minimum that life had to offer him. It had felt like a miracle when he'd been allowed to go to Hogwarts, and it had been impossible for him to grasp the notion that he had actual friends that cared about him and wanted to spend time with him. And when Sirius had told him that he had more than friendly feelings for him, Remus had wondered what on earth he had done to possibly deserve so much happiness. There was a lot of pain, and loss, and struggling, yes, but at the end of it all Remus had been given the gift of raising a family with the person he loved. Had watched three lovely children bloom under his and Sirius's nurturing care. Sometimes the reality of his good fortune would threaten to knock him off his feet. There were still bad days, of course. Some days the weight of it all would settle on his chest like an anvil and he would struggle through the day, feeling like an imposter. On these days his family would prop him up and make sure he felt the strength of their love for him. On other days, it was Sirius or Neville that needed this reassurance and it would be Remus's turn to support them. For two boys who were forced to grow up too fast, they had been able to make sure their sons would never feel the same as they did. They were showered with love, affection, and respect and not once made to feel like a burden. 
They were able to give Harry, Neville, and Teddy the happy childhood that they deserved. Chapter 10 Deleted Scenes Teddy 1. Teddy was an untamable force of chaos. Part of it they attributed to the metamorph mage's magic in his DNA, he was emitting sparks of accidental magic from the second he recovered. His hair changed with his mood, furniture leapt out of his way, and all of them learned to expect objects to go flying out of their hands if Teddy wanted their attention on him instead. Sirius finally sunk down into the chair in his office, sitting for the first time since he clocked in for his shift at four in the morning. He was about to wave his door shut and try to sneak a cheeky midday nap when the mail slot opened and tipped a small bundle into Sirius's incoming basket. He figured he might as well sort through everything while he was in there, and took the first three letters from the top of the pile. It was only when reaching for the next stack that he noticed the red envelope tucked at the bottom beginning to smoke. A howler. It was too late to do anything but brace himself for the explosion of sound. Papa, I pooped in the toilet. Teddy's excited screech filled the halls of St. Mungo's and Sirius could hear several of his colleagues as they laughed. Bamber in the next office overshouted a congratulations. Sirius hopped up from his chair to recruit the entire ward to send back a congratulatory howler to Hurricane Teddy. Teddy 2. When Teddy was three, he started calling Remus, Da. He'd been Mooney before that, adopting Harry in Neville's way of referring to their dads. It wasn't until he saw a picture of a young Remus being lifted into the air by Lyle that things changed. Who is that? The boy is me when I was little like you, and that's my Da holding me. Do I have a Da? You do. Da is another word for someone's dad, just like how you call Sirius Papa. Da is what I called my dad, but his name was Lyle. Teddy looked back and forth between the picture and Remus, his face scrunched up in thought before he nodded to himself and went to go play with his dinosaurs. From then on, he referred to Remus exclusively as Da. It had done something funny to Remus's stomach the first time he heard it and realized Teddy was talking to him. He loved being Mooney to Harry and Neville, he'd always been their Mooney even before he'd become their parent and he had never wanted to be anything different, but having one of his kids call him Da, that stopped his heart a bit. Like the first time he'd heard Harry and Neville introduce him and Sirius as their dads. No one remarked on the change, though Sirius did tear up a bit and squeeze Remus's hand when he heard it for the first time. Harry and Neville started to fold the word into their own vocabulary, interchanging Mooney for Da when talking to Teddy about him. Teenagers Sirius wasn't eavesdropping on the teenagers upstairs. He wasn't. He was simply passing by on his way back from checking in on Teddy for the seventeenth time. If he happened to catch some snippets of conversation, well that was unavoidable. Turn is it? Neville. No, I can't say, said Neville, with a laugh. Oh come on, groaned Ron. It can't be worse than Harry fancying my brother. Well. Ugh no Nev, not you too. I get it, Bill is very handsome, said Hermione sagely. Ron groaned again loudly. Um, said Neville. Charlie actually. 
Harry's loud laughter drowned out the other voices and Sirius was grinning as he crept back down the stairs to where Remus was sitting in the kitchen, looking over his lesson plans for the upcoming semester. He didn't look up when Sirius entered, but he waved his wand and another cup of tea was placed by Sirius's usual seat. Hear any good gossip? Sirius opened his mouth to protest before shutting it promptly. Yes, actually, he scoffed. He sat down at the table and made a show of opening the Daily Prophet and pretending to read. Remus kicked him under the table. Don't be a dickhead. They're talking about first crushes, said Sirius, unable to keep it in any longer. I'll give you three chances to guess has and Neville's. I only need one. Bill and Charlie, respectively. I can't imagine Ron enjoying that news. Oh he is suffering, truly. I feel his pain, said Sirius, clutching a hand to his chest in silent solidarity with Ron. Except Ron's brothers weren't deflowered by his best friend, said Remus with a smirk, burning himself his own kick in the shin. Oi. We all promise to never speak of that again, you twat. Remus trapped Sirius's foot between his under the table and wrapped his bony ankles around it. They sat in contented silence for a few moments before Remus hummed thoughtfully. Do you think they'll tell us soon? Harry might. I have a feeling he'll be as hopeless about dating as James was. I think it's safe to say we can expect a panicked mirror call in a few months about what's-his-face degree. Nev though, he might not feel like announcing it. Just show up one day talking about a serious boyfriend, no fuss. Like you, said Sirius, reaching over to take Remus's hand. And we'll be just as shocked as my mum was, said Remus with a smile. Which is to say, not at all. Don't know what gave me away there, my incessant talk about you, or my several Bowie posters plastered all over my bedroom. Thanks for listening to this text-to-speech podfic composed by Burning Aurora.